Welcome to the Technology Pill, a podcast that looks at technology's reshaping of our interactions and relationships with government and companies. This week is going to be weird. My colleagues at PI will be sharing recommendations of interesting and sometimes relevant movies and video games that could be fun for this very strange moment we find ourselves in. The next few weeks of the podcast are going to have worse audio quality than normal because everyone is recording themselves from home. Normally, the podcast is produced by Max Burnell, who we think is absolutely wonderful. But this week, it's not being produced by anyone, so sorry about that. The music is from the song Lonely Cowboys by Simon Mathewson, which is licensed under Creative Commons. Hello, everybody. This is uh, Elliot Bendinelli from Privacy International. I'm here with Armit Cambo to talk about uh, the movie Sorry to Bother You that was released in 2018, uh, directed by Boots Riley. Uh, it's a dark comedy that we both really, really enjoyed. Uh, not, not much um, uh, advertising around this movie, and I don't think a lot of people saw it, but it's really worth it, especially in these times where everybody's locked inside uh, if you have one movie to add to your list and put it at the top, it's going to be this one. Uh, so, Harmit, you you have a few points that you already want to highlight about this movie. Go yeah. for it. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Elliot. Well, look, this is going to be a spoiler-free chat, right? Um, I hate yeah. people giving away uh, things in the movie. So I'm, I'm going to try and say as much as possible by saying as little as possible at the very same time. But like Elliot said, it was a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a film that it feels like not many people have seen and it, and it was a little bit of magic, I thought. It's interesting as well that you describe it as a dark comedy and I can see why you say that, but it's also the lightest dark comedy I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, it touches on really dark ideas around uh, class and race in the US, about union organizing uh, and the right to be unionized. Uh, It talks about the future of work uh, and automation. Um, It talks about capitalism. It's a a film about um, uh, capitalism at its most aggressive and corporate American. It's about all these massive, big, zeitgeisty themes. And it does it as an absurd, surreal comedy. And it nails it. It just absolutely nails it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So to give a little bit of context, uh, uh, the base, uh, the premise of the movie is uh, this uh, black guy who's uh, unemployed and he's living in his uncle's garage, if I remember correctly, and uh, he got offered an opportunity to work in a call center. And uh, he's obviously surrounded by uh, black people like him. You, you can really feel like they're all coming from a difficult situation, difficult places. And uh, at some point, someone advises him to start speaking with his white uh, guy voice. And uh, it changes everything. He starts making sales instead of people dismissing him on the phone. Uh, he starts basically climbing the ladder. And uh, I, I got to say, that was, that was a magic twist, this white voice thing. When it comes into the movie, it's really well presented. It's, it's very funny as well. And, uh, and it, it, yeah, it makes a big difference. I think it, it nails the point it's trying to nail. I agree. It, it calls into question some of your own values and that, that whole thing about white voice, it kind of made me think, yeah, when I'm getting called, <clears throat> what do I think about the person I'm speaking to? How do I respond to them differently depending on what their accent is? And just through that, and it does it through such a light touch way. I don't feel like the film kind of uh, lectures you, but at the same time, it hits you like a sledgehammer uh, with this kind of absurd uh, situation that this character finds himself in. 
And it is a very funny film. I find myself laughing throughout mm-hmm. it. Since kind of oh, it, yeah. to to do to do such um, um, such a kind of cynical piece of work uh, with so much humour is something that I think is incredibly difficult to do. And I was, uh, I, I kind of thought he was like a Spike Lee for the new generation. I mean, Spike Lee's films are always very, tend to be, uh, take themselves quite seriously, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Ever since, I think, probably do the right thing anyway. Whereas this kind of had that kind of almost lightness. I mean, do the right thing, if you, if you ever saw that, was also a very serious film, but done with quite a light touch. It was bright, it was funny, it was colourful. Um, but yeah, it had such a punch to it. And this is like, um, for me, this is the most kind of powerful American film I've seen about the same kind of um, uh, issues uh, since Do the Right Thing. And that was like 30 years ago. Oh, wow. Well, I haven't, I haven't uh, watched uh, See the Right, uh, see the, Do the Right Thing, is that it? That's right, That's, yeah. This one is going straight to my watch list then. Um, but yeah, yeah, I really enjoy it. And I, I got to say, you get really, it's kind of a magical world it drags you into because everything is a little bit it felt surreal like all of the colors and the lights uh the the soundtrack is fantastic uh Bruce Riley actually wrote some of the songs and he's a great musician and uh and yeah at, at the same time so there is all this whole light fun vibe but at the same time it's talking about such deep issues so like you say there's the future of labor there is this class division because obviously he's going up the ladder and uh, the ladder and he's uh, he's getting into important position while his friends are still in the union and they're trying to fight for their rights and uh and at the same time it's it's almost for half of the movie it's kind of a parallel universe but there is this company that's uh, that's called work free uh, worry free sorry and uh, it's, it's kind of an amazon thing where people decide to give their life and in ex- for to work for the company and in exchange they got free food and housing and so on and so forth and he's always kind of tempted at the beginning because obviously he's in a difficult position um and and uh, and without again being spoiler free this just develops into something completely uh, unexpected and that is really a brilliant criticism of uh, what we can see within big companies these days yeah and i, I you know speaking about his uh, character he it was great because you sh- you see how the difficult choices uh, that exist for people and how people can get sucked into uh you know the machine um mm-hmm. and at every stage in the film this guy is getting more and more compromised um, his values are getting more and more compromised, but he's rising up uh, the corporate ladder. And I just think it, it again, it t- tackles that issue with such deftness. It's uh, it does it very, very cleverly without uh, without um, yeah uh, uh, lecturing you. Uh, so I just I just think it, even if you don't even feel, I think it's hard to ignore the social message, the political messages of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to ignore them because I do, you know, it's not a subtle film. But I think even if you just pretty much ignore that stuff and just look at it as a, a comedy, I think it's a movie you could watch any night of the week. Don't you think? Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, and because obviously this is close to our field of work, uh, there is in the movie a. Um, a video at some point that becomes viral where he's uh yeah i'm, I'm not i'm not going to describe it that would be spoiling but uh but it's again it's a very on point uh criticism of how we consume this type of viral content especially when someone is put to shame so 
Yeah, there are just so many good elements in this movie. Also, bonus point because there is a relationship going on between him and a lady, and uh, and she's a really strong character. She is not secondary at all. Uh, the relationship is really honest uh, with ups and down. Uh, I, but that's just a bonus point for me. I enjoy when there are uh, female characters that are really worth it in a movie and not just you know highlighting something about the main character. No, I I, I agree with you. I, I I felt the same thing, and um, I think. Uh, this is the, if I use this word, it's probably going to maybe kill a lot of people's interest in watching it. But it was a seriously woke film. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the wokest film you could uh, that's probably been made in the last five years that I can think of. Yeah, that was my that was my favorite film for the past few years. So, well, I think on these words, you you've got everything to decide whether you want to watch it or not. Uh, definitely a big hit for us, and uh, we hope you'll enjoy it if you get a chance to watch it. Uh, thank you, Harmit. I hope. Uh, Thank you, Elliot. <laughs> Hi, it's Kate in the Campaigns of Stuart Cruise International. I'm talking about movies. Uh, these are both movies that I love and uh, I think are incredibly good fun. Um, so hopefully will be a good distraction for anyone looking for something else to think about other than coronavirus. So the first one is an incredibly serious exploration of the ethics of cloning. Um, if you think about your life um, and all the things you're up to, what would you want a clone for? If you if you could get a clone, who would you clone and why? Um, these are the questions that this movie asks and what is it like uh, to have a clone? Uh, it is of course S Club Seeing Double, the movie from the early 2000s and the peak of S Club's fame. It's a jukebox movie, so if you like S Club, then there are a ton of your favourite and best songs that to jam along to. For example, the incredibly harrowing scene where they break out of prison um, to the tune of Don't Stop Moving. Um, the And they wrote some new songs for the movie, so uh, the vital and extremely moving song where they asked a question, um, you know, who do you think you are? And And how could you possibly know given that potentially you might you might be a clone but hey you know you're never alone <laughs> if you've got a clone it's uh it's a really fun movie it's got all the kind of primary colors and stylistic uh things from the early 2000s if that was a period that you're nostalgic for which i definitely obviously am um essentially uh, the plot synopsis, uh, no spoilers, although some spoilers, um, is a crazed scientist um, has been buying up pop star DNA from the internet, uh, which genetic privacy is obviously also a huge and significant issue in kind of realm of work, if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, but evil scientist has been um, buying up all of the uh, genetic material of pop stars from online from from eBay um, and creating a pop star clone army with which he plans to take over the world. Um, pop stars he has he has he has cloned include obviously S Club, um, Madonna, Michael Jackson, um, Gareth Gates. If you remember Gareth Gates, this was the peak of Gareth Gates's fame as well, which really definitely dates dates the movie um, and. Essentially, S Club uh, find themselves, uh, as you do, stuck abroad, which I guess might resonate now, um, and replaced by their clone doubles, and they have to work out what on earth is happening. Um, out of interest, uh, 
again, spoilers. So, you know, if you if you don't want to be spoiled for the dramatic twists and turns of this movie, but um, the clones don't have belly buttons because they aren't grown in utero. Uh, they're fully formed out of vats, so they don't have any need for an umbilical cord. So they don't have... Um, they don't have belly buttons and that's how you can tell if you're a clone or not so if you do not have a belly button i'm very sorry to tell you uh there's a chance that uh, you are in fact a clone uh and the other thing the s club movie kind of explores is what does that mean if you're a clone of someone are you not you know real are you not yourself are you fake um it's a beautiful movie uh with a beautiful message um and it's also probably it's just an incredibly fun hour or so. Like, you're just going to have a good time. Uh, every S Club song, being realistic, is a jam. So just watch watch the movie and enjoy yourself. The other movie... So uh, another excellent quarantine movie is obviously Legally Blonde. Uh, I would argue for Legally Blonde 1 and Legally Blonde 2, Red, White and Blonde. Um which obviously the second one gives you a real insight into people power, the power that you have to make a difference. Uh, and if you're interested in making a difference to Privacy International, uh, sign up at action.privacyinternational.org uh, to get all the lowdown on all of our campaigns as, you know, we organise uh, people in defence of privacy much like much like Elwood's does in Legally Blonde 2. Uh, but that's not the movie I want to talk about right now. The movie I want to talk about right now is Legally Blonde 1. Um, now, obviously, Legally Blonde 1 is an incredibly serious exploration of sexism and uh, second-wave feminism in uh, a male-dominated environment like law school and Harvard. Um, <laughs> it also, you know, gets into the ethics of stalking and um, specifically stalking your uh, ex-boyfriend to his law school of choice and all of the ways in which that you know, it, it's never going to work. You're never going to get him back. Um, that that was my pitch anyway uh, for, for, for why it would be reasonable to talk about Legally Blonde. Um, it's not true as well. Obviously, we would advocate against doing that, following anyone to a university as expensive and uh, hard work as Harvard Law School. Uh, but it does work out for Elle, although not with um, Terrible Boy number one. Um, if you haven't seen Legally Blonde at this point, the question has to be, what have you been doing with your life? Uh, question your life, question your choices. It's again, an incredibly fun movie, um, and a really, really fun thing to watch. Um, and it's also, you know, really gripping as you, as you, you know, get really emotionally invested in, in Elle's life and career and, uh, the challenges that she faces, um, as she, you know, comes to terms with, the demands of Harvard and and the importance of being herself and retaining her incredibly pink identity throughout all of her trials and tribulations. Um, yeah. But also, you know, being stuck at home sucks. Everyone knows this. You might as well have a little bit of fun and watch Legally Blonde. One and two. Screw it. Anyway. Okay. Bye. Hi, I'm Eva Bloom-Dumonté from Privacy International. The film I would recommend while we are all in confinement is Snowpiercer, uh, which I think is a great confinement film, 
or a terrible confinement film. I'll let you decide, but it's a great film regardless. I'm sure you've seen Parasite before we all got confined because everyone has seen Parasite. If you haven't seen it yet, actually go and find a way to watch it right now. And I'm sure you've loved Parasite because everyone has loved Parasite. Uh, so why am I talking about Parasite while I'm trying to sell you a film called Snowpiercer? Uh, and that's because Snowpiercer was also directed by Bong Joon-ho. It's a science fiction film he made back in 2013, and it's an adaptation based on a French graphic novel. It starts Chris Evans, whom everyone at PI loves, uh, Tilda Swinton, whom I love, uh, and Jamie Bell. Uh, Jamie Bell is the guy from Billy Elliot, uh, which is very confusing, actually, when you watch the first few minutes of the film, because you go, uh, this guy looks familiar. Who is this guy? Where have I seen him before? Oh, wait, that's Billy Elliot, but he's now an adult. Anyway, uh, the reason why it's such an interesting film to rewatch right now is because, or to watch for the first time, uh, is because the Snowpiercer takes place in 2031, and there's been a natural catastrophe that led to an ice age. So the outside world is freezing cold and you can't survive outside. And everything that's left of humanity is now on a train. So you have all the human beings left alive on this train that travels around the world. And the train is divided between social class. So you have the working class at the back and ensure that the train is running uh, they are exploited, uh, they are forced to eat cockroaches, and then at the front of the train you have the upper class that doesn't work and spend most of the time partying, eating fancy food, and live this very decadent lifestyle. Now, the main plot of the film actually revolves around the rebellion, uh, the revolt of the people who are at the back of the train and want to challenge the order in place. I'm not going to spoil it further, so I'll let you enjoy it. I would say it's a proper science fiction action film. Uh, so it's very different, actually, from Parasite, but it still revolves around the similar themes of class struggle and dignity that are dear to Bong Joon-ho. Uh, but it also goes into the mechanism of control uh, that people in power use over the working class. So... Those are themes that are also very um, important to the work we do at Privacy International. That's why I think it's also very relevant for us to be speaking about it. If you're in the UK, you can watch Snowpiercer on the BFI player. Uh, you can just rent it. You don't need a subscription to watch it. Uh, it's a great way of supporting independent cinema instead of uh, supporting large tech companies that definitely don't need your support. So on that note, I'll let you enjoy the film. Have fun. Hello everybody, Elliot Bendinelli here, and I'm going to talk to you about a few video games that I've been enjoying in this uh, confinement time. So I tend to think that video games are a little bit overlooked there uh, for the nerds and the geeks, and uh, you might prefer to watch a movie or watch a TV show or read a book, which are all fine, but um, I think video games are particularly interesting in these strange times because of the multiplayer aspects that some of them have. So it's, for me, it's a great way to just connect with people, uh, have a good laugh, uh, try to progress. But it's also something where you're a bit more active than when you're just watching, say, a TV show. 
So um, I'm going to start with a few multiplayer games that I, I usually enjoy uh, with my friends uh, coming over. Um, so usually we would plug a few controllers and have fun on a big screen. But uh, the great thing is that these games are also playable online. So um, plug a mic so, and, and open a chat so you can have, or like phone your friends so you can um, have a discussion when you're playing and, uh, and enjoy the multiplayer uh, version of the game. So all of the games I'm going to talk about are between 5 and 10, 15 uh, pounds on Steam. You can find them on other platforms. Um, so, but they're all fairly cheap and quite simple to understand. Um, the first one I want to talk about is called Broforce. It's an outrageous game where you're playing all of the big super American heroes that are all bros together. And, um, and they're called on missions because the, obviously they have to liberate a country or uh, they have to fight uh, an alien invasion. And, uh, and it's just great. It's a platformer, it's 2D, so you can see your characters from the side. There are literally two buttons, you jump and you shoot plus the arrow keys to move around. And, uh, and the idea is just to go through the levels and destroy everything. Uh, the fun part is that um, if you don't control everything, there's a lot going on in the screen and uh, you might unexpectedly kill your partners without uh, meaning to. Uh, and what makes these games so fun is that basically every time you die, you uh, come back immediately with a new character which has different abilities. And, and it's, it makes the, the game really enjoyable because you never get bored. You always have a new combination depending on who you get and who your friends are playing at the same time. And, um, and it's also a, a little bit challenging as a game. So yeah, definitely recommend this one, Broforce. Um, the second one I want to talk about is uh, Ultimate Chicken Horse. And um, basically you are starting from a point on a map and you can see the end and there is usually a big gap in between or there is a house and uh, at, at, it's a kind of a turn-based system where every turn you turn you can pick up an item so everybody has to pick an item say a box or a bomb or um, a gun that will shoot and you put it somewhere on the map and uh, and the whole idea is to find the balance because you have to reach the end. And obviously you want to put traps so people are going to fall into the traps and you're going to be the only one to reach the end. So if everybody reaches the end, nobody gets points. If nobody reaches the end, nobody gets points. So you have to strike the balance between making the level, because you're designing the level basically, uh, difficult enough so uh, and that so that not everybody will be able to make it but you have to make sure you'll be able to to do it as well so quite a fun one ultimate chicken horse and uh, the last one I want to talk about is really really minimalistic it's called hidden in plain sight it has this really ugly 8-bit um, graphics but it make that's what makes it so amazing and you just see one screen it's not moving it's just one room and there are hundreds not maybe hundreds maybe dozens of characters they're all the same they have the same uh, uh, skin the same sprite and they're all moving around and you and your friends are one of those characters and so you don't know who is who you don't even know where you are at the beginning you have to move around a little bit to find and, uh, and the idea is that you either have to go through four checkpoints or you have to kill the others. 
So it's all again about finding the balance between if you're moving too fast between the four checkpoints, people are going to spot you and they're going to kill you. But at the same time, you want to be the first one because the winner is the first one who either kills everybody or get the four checkpoints. Um, so these games have a few hover mode, but it's all based on this idea that you don't know who you are and you don't know who the others are. And you've got, you've got to guess while at the same time trying to win the game. But the more you try to win, the more obvious you are and the more chances uh, they are that you get killed. So these are quite really fun couch type games um, that you can still play online. Like I said, go on Discord, go on any um, any voice chat that you find and, and just go for it with your friends. Um, I've got a few others recommendations which are, um, they require a little bit more effort. They're not like 20, 30 minutes games. I mean, you could still do it, but there is a bit more to it. Um, the first one I want to recommend is quite famous. It's Portal 2. So Portal is a, a puzzle game, basically, and um, the the whole physics is based on the idea that you can open portals, one to enter and one to exit. And um, the, this game is surprisingly really funny because there is a sort of robot AI that is talking to you the whole time, uh, guiding you through the levels. And uh, so it's, it's basically, it's initially a one-player game, but the two-player game mode is completely amazing and you can interact with your partners and all of the um, puzzles you're going through need two people to be solved. So um, I would definitely recommend that one, especially because it's on sale almost every two weeks. So great deal. And uh, and the last one I want to talk about is um, uh, Risk of Rain, which is a game, again, you can play solo or you can play with up to four people, although I've only played um, with, with uh, one friend at the time. And, uh, and you're popping up in a level that is randomly generated and uh, you have monsters popping around and you have to find the exit. And again, it's a game where you need to find the balance because the more time you wait, the stronger the enemies are gonna get, but at the same time, you have more chance of getting items making you stronger. Um, so if you find the exit quickly, you can go to the next novel and the monsters aren't gonna be so strong. But if you wait a lot because you wanna get more items, the monsters are gonna be stronger, so it's gonna be a bit more difficult. Um, very fun one. So that's for my uh, selection. One last recommendation would be Don't Starve because I think like it's on point on these days, a very fun survival game. Um, yeah, if you get a chance to have a play with this one, uh, go for it. It's just, for me, I, I, think, I think that's a great way to spend time while being connected to your friends, while having fun. And uh, it's, just, it's just good entertainment. Um, thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope that's helpful. Subscribe wherever you're listening. And soon, Max will be back. Thank you.